Jamie, it's really good to get you back. Hello, Matt. It's good to be back. I'm glad you didn't, you know, sack me or anything. Well, you know, it was it was touch and go. Because I heard the podcast <laughs> and, um, you know, it was really good and funny and I thought, oh, am I needed? The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin. Yeah, I know, I was, you know, I mean, Jake's not normally that funny, is he? I think he upped his game. <laughs> he upped his game. He had, well, he had to up his game because he had to replace the great Jamie Franklin. Back off, Jake. <laughs> Only kidding. You're a lovely guy and it was, it, was, it, was, it was very strange listening to it. But, yeah, brilliant. We should do some more collabs in, in future, like. Yeah, so it's good to get you back, Jamie. I, di- I didn't mean any of those things I said on the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Oh, Jamie. All is for... All is forgiven. Did you did you like the merch that I've been sending you pictures of? I love the pictures of the merch, and I'm slightly jealous that you've got a T-shirt and a mug, and I haven't. I know. Well, maybe it'll be a good coming home present. Ah, what do you think? I'd what love think? that. Can we? Yeah. Can I get some interplanetary socks as well? Oh, I don't know. You can get an inter- interplanetary tote bag, but that oh, do. That'll do. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll or take a string one of them. drawer. Bag. One of them for me and my mum, please. I'm trying. I'm working on. I'm working on a sort of faded vintage version, so it's oh. less bright. What do you think? Yeah, more up your uh, strata. No, I, th- I don't see you as the hipster space type. Uh, I think we should just stick to our roots. Well, I, I need to get the professor look. I need to get like yeah, a, tweet, a tweet, <laughs> a tweet, right, I'll version. Get, Maybe I'll get a... the faded. I'll get the faded hipster one. Yeah, and I'll get. And the, you can get, get the, the professorial one. Yeah, the, it's like a sort of interplanetary type in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or a monocle. I love interplanetary it. monocle. I love it. Hey, Matt. <laughs> yes. It's the Interplanetary Podcast. Putting, Putting the, the ace back into, back into space. space. Whoa. <gasps> That's oh. pretty epic. I'll tell you what. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Where are you today, Jamie? Tell the, tell the listeners. Well, I've come back from Italy where I took my mum on a little vacation you know you got to treat your mum mm-hmm. and um, I had one day's rest and then and I've just arrived in the Big Apple oh. on a little work trip um so I don't feel too sorry for me no um it's weird I'm looking out of my hotel and do you know the scene in the Shawshank Redemption where they're all tarring the roof <laughs> in payment for beers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty much the same thing going on, although I don't think they're prisoners. No. Um, right, right opposite me. So, um, Well, in I'm... some ways, everyone's a prisoner in Trump's United States oh, of America. Oh, good, Matt. Thanks. Good, Thanks, good. Matt. What a metaphor to start the show with. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I'm not talking of lunatics. What, what mm. story did we see this week in the... In the, in the... Well... Um, yeah, it's a really interesting one because obviously this guy's, you know, uh, a bit of a legend, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, uh, we talk about him on the show quite a lot, although we obviously yeah. get his name wrong often. Now, is it pronounced Robert Bigelow or is it Bigelow? I think we're going with Bigelow. I think we're Are going, we going with, with Bigelow. I think we're going with Bigelow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I like your confidence. Um, I don't share it, but let's go with it. Um, so he's been. Uh, quoted as saying, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just, just, bring just, up, just say what I'm he just said. Gonna, I'm just gonna bring up one of the quotes. Let's just have a look. Um, so, one of NASA's partners has said that he is absolutely convinced aliens exist and that they're living on Earth 
right now. <laughs> Robert Bigelow, an entrepreneur who is working closely with NASA on future space missions, has suggested that he knows that our planet has an alien presence that is, and I quote, right under our noses. Oh, my God. It's like he's not just talking about, like, the existent, the probable existence of life no, in the universe. No, he's saying he's that saying they're that... already here yeah. and we don't need to look um, interstellar. Yeah. We just need to look down the road. Appa- apparently, from what I read, is that it's his, pe- his grandparents were abducted by aliens. Is that, is that right? Or something, something like that. Well, and he's been obsessed ever since. It might be right that he said it. (laughs) (laughs) I I won't comment on whether it's facts or not. Because, you know, as you know, Matt, I need to see peer-reviewed evidence. Yeah, no, totally. Um, Just like the aliens that he says is under our nose, um, I would like to know where the evidence is for that. Well, because it would be incredibly exciting, wouldn't it? Yeah, it, he's bought some. He's yeah. bought some land as well, hasn't he? Where this, where this shape-shifting alien lives, apparently. And, yeah, that's uh, right. It's like infested with shape-shifting aliens, but you can't see them, of course. <laughs> so we well, can't, can't disprove no. him. I mean, no, this, this is, is it. Classic, classic mumbo jumbo where. It, it's a false positive. You you, you, can't, you can never I prove liked, it wrong. Well, because it's invisible. What, what what I liked, and um, you know, this is harping back to our uh, our mate Marcus. <laughs> is he was quoted as as telling reporter Lara Logan, um, "I'm absolutely convinced that aliens exist, and that's all there is to it." It's like, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like, Jamie, oh, come on. you make a good point. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah, good point. No, well, I mean, if, if just, you went up to Robert Bigelow and said, "You can't just say yeah. that's all there is to it." Yeah, no, that, that's, that's, that's it's strange, um, isn't it? That someone, void. someone that can be such a great scientist, or, or mm. someone that like pushing the boundaries of space science, can get this so wrong. Well, this is where this is where it is a. Con- it's not just a conspiracy theorist. You know, this guy is is partners. With NASA, his company is partners with NASA on future missions, and he said, and I quote again, there has been an existing presence, an ET presence, and I spent millions and millions and millions. I probably spent more. Um, I, I probably spent more as an individual than anybody else in the United States has ever spent on this subject. <laughs> um, and she went. She went on to ask him if he thought it was risky to say he believes in such things. <laughs> And uh, he he replied, um, he doesn't care what people think because it wouldn't change the reality of what I know. What I know. The reality of what I know. I'd love to know. Yeah, I'd love to hear what you know. Oh, wow. Um, So that's all we're getting for now. It's basically just aliens are under your nose. They've been here forever. And that's it. Oh, Jamie. Don't need need to say anything else. Oh, it's, it's crazy. It's quite funny, isn't it? There's quite a few of these entrepreneurs, massive entrepreneurs that do wonderful things, and then they have this crazy one little thing that makes them, you go, yeah. oh, come on. Yeah, it's like, oh, we were getting along so well. We really liked you. Yeah. Um, and then you know, they come out and with stuff like that. You I, come still out, like I, mean, I still like him. I still like him. I still like, yeah, like was the I, wrong word. Yeah. But you know what? It's come tricky, on, put isn't yourself it? together. Bigelow. I just think, I mean, what's he going to start doing? Uh, do you think NASA are worried that he's going to start putting sort of, you know, I, I don't think we- weird things? I don't think it his... does his credibility any good. I think really, no. It? I mean, I, I wonder if he's, I wonder if share prices in his um, uh, Bigelow Space Industries went up or down on on yeah, his right. uh, interview. I, Jamie, I, 
not only did you miss last week's uh, podcast, but you missed um, Space Up London. I was gutted to miss Space Up London. I saw oh. the photos and I read um, all about the goings on. Yeah. I was well jealous. Uh, no, it was it was it was really was it really good? cool. It, it was abs- other than the fact that I've really done my knee in, so I was hobbling around, oh. so everyone was looking at me like I was a weirdo. How did you do that? I, I don't know. I was walking around giving a lecture and I've done my knee in. It's just, it's just ridiculous. It's so annoying. <laughs> what have I told you about wearing sunglasses it's, whilst giving lectures on stairs? Come know. on, Matt. It's just crazy. It's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, but it was really good fun. And we're, we're kind of like celebrities, Jamie. What? <laughs> really? Yeah, it was good fun. Lots of people came up to me and said how much they liked the podcast. And there's one fellow who's, uh, who's from the Baker Street astronomers which we which right. we must go down to we must go down yeah. to for their picnic um he bought me a pint because we're his favorite podcasters what i know so technically you owe me half of that yeah so i do owe you half That's i do right. i do actually owe you half stick a pint. it on my tab <laughs> well so you mean people actually listen to this 40 minutes of drivel every week define listen <laughs> yeah they they let it play um yeah. in fact because you're aren't you running one of the algorithms that basically just clocks up our listens exactly right it's exactly yeah what I that's do. what that's what we do let, let yeah. me tell let me tell you some of the things you missed you missed Go a guy on, called tom kurz from the uh royal observatory in greenwich and he was nice. telling us all about uh the origins of the universe that was really cool and he's yeah. uh, talking about um making the Royal Observatory in Greenwich a working research centre again. So they're trying to do some kind of robotic telescope there. So that should Got be it. interesting. Uh, a guy called Daniel Grant, who did a, who did a lot on uh, medicine in space and, uh, uh-huh. and described bones before going to space, like crunchy bars, and bones after coming back from space, like arrows. Really? Which is a really good way of describing it. So like you, you snap open a crunchy bar, and that's what your bone looks like. Yeah. Before going to space. And, you, and when you crack it open, an arrow open, that's what your bones look like after. That's terrifying. Uh, I think this analogy might only work for our English I'd listeners. I'd like to know so a lot apo- more. I'll save, to... all my, I'll save all my questions for, um, for another day. Otherwise, we'll be here forever. But that's really interesting. Was cool. And um, then, then we had John Colshaw do a little speak about exoplanets. Oh, he's, he's a legend. He's a, obs- obsessed with exoplanets and gives these beautiful descriptions of what it must be like on each of these exoplanets. But the fact that he does it in Patrick Moore, uh, Brian Cox... <laughs> I was going to say, Carl what did Sagan. he do? He's, he's Genius. Carl, his Carl Sagan was so amazing. I, do you know what? It, it's really... Sp- I, on, in about three weeks' time, Jamie, I'm going to unveil yeah. my Carl Sagan impression. I'm going to work on you've it. Got to, you've got to work on it, haven't I'm, you? I'm going to work on it. I, 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 okay. I, it is so cool. And we had all these little, uh, what are called T5 talks, which are sort of quick-fire presentations that took five minutes. Nice. I'll give, I'll give you an example. The one that really sticks in my head is a guy who wanted to uh, colonise Titan. He thought that that was, the, uh, should be the thing that we should be doing, colonising Titan. Colonising Titan sounds like one of your old band names. Oh, come on. Give it, it up. Does. With the... I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so this I won't was... let it rest, will yeah, I? No, this was a guy called Michael Urban. And, yeah, and, and it was really interesting. He, uh... And Harriet was there, of course. She, oh, well, she was kind of Harriet. She was running the event. And she was, yeah. you know, interviewed the mighty John Coleshaw. So that was fun. And I met some really good people, people I've been meaning to meet for a long time. So it was fantastic. 
Right, it sounded like it was amazing. So was. I look forward to uh, going to the next one. I will not miss it. Yeah, in- indeed, you won't. So um, Matt, we have a we have an interview. Yeah. Uh, in this show, can you tell us about who that's with? Yeah, that is with Alicia Maya Kunkaya, and she is a doctor of um, material science, I think. And you've known her for a while. And I've I known her for a while her at the at the Mars event. In Mars at the Mars Nation. Well, Mars, Nation, Mars is this, Nation is this thing that she's set up, and this is what she's going to talk to us about in this next interview. So, écoutez, roll the tape. So we're back in the British Interplanetary Society Library, one of the coolest places ever. Lots of books, uh, and I'm sat here with the founder of Mars Nation, Alicia Mike and Kaya. Hi, Matt. Hello. How's it going? Very well, thank you very much. Well, I mean, it's, it's been, what, all of five days since I saw you last. That's true. At Space Up. And so, yeah. What I want you to talk about, though, is not Space Up, is talk about Mars Nation. Can you tell us a little bit about Mars Nation? Sure. Um, Mars Nation is a series of events where enthusiasts and experts can make an impact on Mars colonization and participate in Mars colonization by solving grand space exploration challenges. And you don't need a science degree. Uh, the idea is if you have a background in any field, art, science, design, tech, anything, the ideas that you're going to come up with, with a bit of help from experts and a lot of play, is going to be, are going to be amazing. And something to die for, <laughs> something that ESA and NASA would actually want. Yeah. Because I imagine they would have a very specific set of skill set in their teams, whereas what we're getting here is people extremely passionate who make drones, who create apps and have coding skills, for example, scientists, designers, mm. visual artists coming together to create something unique so it's almost instead of crowdsourcing money or crowdsourcing ideas brains and ideas yeah i would say it's an ideas making event yeah you're um going around farming i suppose ideas almost from left field so that they're not the normal like you said ESA and NASA have obviously got their team of experts that sit in rooms with bits of Lego trying to solve problems. <laughs> but, but you're, I love that. <laughs> I know, I love it. I tell you, I love the thought that there's people sitting there with post-it notes and Lego. <laughs> it's my favourite thing. But you're saying that, there, that there's people out there who have an intelligence that can add to the story in, in the same way that you get a, uh, amateur astronomers, I suppose, who add a lot to astronomy. Absolutely. And there are two sides to this. First, there are skills that are being overlooked Mm -hmm. just because it's not on the radar of a massive agency like NASA or ESA, but are potentially unique and can be used in a totally different way to what they're used now. And the second part is people who work in various companies that involve with IT or law or anything to do with digital applications would love to do something really cool like space. Yeah. Um, and it's giving those people a chance to use their skills for something extraordinary. 
No, absolutely. I really like the I really like the concept of lots of times there's scientists. I, in fact, I was trying to think while you were talking there. I was trying to think of a really good example. But there's a really good example. Say when scientists were trying to think of the structure of this carbon atom that they'd managed to get out of the uh, uh, some experiments and they'd found a carbon atom they knew it was what c22 or something and mm. they were saying well how, what on earth's its structure and they just couldn't work it out and then someone who makes footballs went well it's 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 like a football you get lots of hexagons but you have the occasional pentagon in there as well to make it work and that's and that's how a football is it's like oh duh, yeah <laughs> so you have all these clever scientists but actually sometimes someone comes along with an idea from another discipline where it's nice and easy for them for them they've got all those solutions and and is is that the kind of thing that we're looking to try yeah, and do in with I really believe that if you want to be creative you have to find many different interests mm. and some of the ideas come from totally unexpected places no absolutely i mean we, you could almost say that einstein's ideas came from a particularly you know a, a patent clerk in Switzerland, what isn't quite what you're expecting. And Richard Feynman and yeah. all these guys. It was just extraordinary how they combined all these different interests and writing. Oh, yeah, no, the, the, the Da Vinci model's really quite exciting, isn't it, of having someone, having people that sort of have lots of interests and don't get too bogged down in the one interest so that they're going so far down this one rabbit hole that they they can't see the wood for the trees, I suppose, is the... A renaissance person. A renaissance person. Here so we maybe, go. So you're, I guess, yeah, so we, Mars Nation is, is a renaissance society. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it is. But, yeah, that's that's it is, that's excellent. And I, I do like, yeah, the, the, the conjuring up of Richard Feynman, because I think Richard Feynman's like the embodiment of that, of that, as long as you're creatively thinking. You know, he actually annoys certain physicists because they think that, oh, if only he'd settled down and, and just, like, concentrated on one thing, he would have been amazing. It's like, well, was, wasn't he amazing enough? <laughs> the reason why he managed to do all this other work is because he had all these other interests, drawing, bongo, And you can't predict what you would have missed yeah. if he didn't have all his side yeah. interests. Yeah, I mean, you know, his, his bongo playing may have fed into his Feynman diagrams. You just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, and that yeah, and that ability to teach as well, and to talk to people, and to brainstorm, I think, is really and explain something in such a way which is just really fun. Yeah, he's I... so humble and fun and silly. Yeah, and almost whimsical. Yeah, it's just my role model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm with you with Feynman. <laughs> <laughs> if it if it wasn't for Sagan, we'd talk about Feynman more on the show. <laughs> Uh, so, I w well, I was at the first event of Mars Nation. Can you tell us a little bit about the uh, your first event? That you yeah, so the first event was about mental health in space. All our events are dedicated to a specific topic. So the idea is uh, you bring architecture, health, building society on Mars, uh, science, communications, everything together... And you have your blueprint, everything you need to set a colony on Mars. Uh, and we started with mental health. We had a training as astronauts. We had a fantastic speaker, who Vincent from King's College, who's an expert in neuroscience. And he was getting us to do the attention division test. Yeah. How, how did you find that? Oh, that, that was good. Although I'd, I'd like to have known whether I, I would have made a good astronaut or not. I'm assuming I'm assuming I would do, but I'm just too old now. 
<laughs> Although one of the astronauts was 42 in that last pick, so I wasn't, you know, I could have, maybe I could have done it. Could have just oh, got scraped it. in. But it was, it was good. Doing the, the, those tests were good. Uh, and, and he had some really, really interesting, like, little things to say about, about psychology. The only... Th- it came up at, at Space Up as well when there was another there was a guy there wasn't there called Jazz at Space Up who was a who was a a, a psychologist yeah. expert and and trains astronauts yeah and um, and I the the one question I have is how do we know what the best psychological makeup of someone to go to Mars is when we literally have a pool of nobody has been to Mars can make That's it. really interesting. So I was translating for a delegation of astronauts and cosmonauts and worked a little bit with Helen Charman last May when there was a massive celebration, 25 years since her space flight. And her entire crew came to London and it was Sergei Krikalyov, uh, Artsebarsky and Afanasyev. And I did ask Sergei Krikalev, who spent his the second, he spent more time than the majority of astronauts. I think he's <laughs> the, the second longest right. space flight. So I did ask, what what is, what does it take to be an astronaut or a cosmonaut? And he said, health. That's the most important mm. thing. You can learn technical skills. You can memorize languages. But you have to be exceptionally healthy, right, both yeah. physically and mentally. Well, yeah, I mean, that was another talk that was really good at space. It was the uh, of of keeping someone healthy in space and having an, a, a medical emergency would be you have to basically the the the, the, the bigger the space journey, the longer the space journey, the more equipment you would have to have to cope with medical emergencies and that's why we focused on mental health as a very first mars Mm. nation um and it was we tried to make it incredibly immersive with people jumping up and down when it was (laughs) the attention test and and then crowdsourcing solutions to mental health problems because There have been some very challenging situations when there was a mass hallucination in one of the uh, Russian missions, Soviet missions. Yeah, tell us about that, because that was really interesting. Uh, So the whole crew smelled something toxic, and they didn't know what it was, but of course there was a, a lot of fear that there might be potentially a fire or explosion. And they were sent back to Earth earlier. But when there was an investigation, the Soviet Union couldn't find any fault. And ah. the doctors just concluded it was mass hallucination. Yeah, that. I mean, that that's deeply worrying, isn't it? And you, you think, imagine if that had happened on a trip, say, four astronauts on a trip in an Orion capsule on the way to Mars... And that sort of thing starts happening. Absolutely. And and when I speak to cosmos like Artsebarsky, he says the most important thing for an astronaut is to complete the mission, full stop. Hmm. That's it. You have to... There's so much pressure on you to complete all the tasks that you were sent there hmm. to do. And if you don't, it's, it's horrible because yeah. it takes years to train and get there. And Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's... I'm reading Mike Massimino's book at the moment, and he and he describes his Hubble fixing spacewalk. <laughs> it's like every minute 
is sixteen costs sixteen thousand pounds or something ridiculous, you know, sixteen thousand dollars, I should say. You think, yeah, and and you you go wrong, that's it. You're the person that busts the Hubble. <laughs> it just doesn't even bear thinking exactly. about. Exactly, and there was another situation where one of the astronauts had a cold, mm. and the other members of the crew had to perform tasks on his behalf. But he was so stressed out and he felt so horrible for not performing to the best of his ability because of his um, health Hmm. that he just broke down. Nasty. Yeah, well, I mean, there was was one, there's a a famous one, isn't there, that someone paid to go up to the space station, a senator or something like that, and, and they were so ill. For the entire time that they were there, they they, they had, the, had the worst case of space sickness. That uh, that now they they've named anyone who gets space sick after him. So it's like I can't. I wish I could remember his name. I'll I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a very funny story because like everyone just basically, if you're slightly sick, it's known as doing a some a somebody. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. But it's uh, yeah. I mean the the psychological pressures are, are are enormous, and it's quite funny that that whole thing of. They're really, really focused on their job while they're doing it. But it, it, Mike Massimini, when he got back down to earth, he, he had, you know, he he obviously found it extremely emotional because he was essentially overwhelmed. He didn't know whether he was happy, sad or what, but he was just in tears, overwhelmed, all of a sudden just couldn't really cope with the, with the overall immensity mm. of being out in space, looking at the earth, fixing the Hubble... And then the stress of going up and down in a in a space shuttle launch, you think, yeah, that that's a massive, and of course that's only for a few days. Or, exactly. You know, and, and 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 when you're in the space station, that's only for six months. But the trip to Mars and getting there, and then, I mean, I I always think the real horrible one is when you're at Mars, when you're actually on Mars, there's going to be a point where you're hundreds of millions of miles away from home. And and the Earth's the other side of the sun. And there's a time delay. Uh, yeah, and you can't talk to anyone. Well, I mean, there must be there must be a, a period where you can't even talk to someone. Yeah. Like horrible. And that's why we came up with this amazing idea of VR-powered pet to yeah. keep astronauts alive at our Mars nation. Here we go. Yeah. Problem oh, solved. Yeah, the VR pet, the same <laughs> one that, that presumably. I think it was it was Harriet that came up with it, wasn't it? And yeah. It was the um, the same one that they have in Japanese retirement homes to look to keep the old age pensioners happy. That's but true. They hang them out, and they're just this nice little pet that you can sort of comfort. And I think there's there's definitely <laughs> there's some, something in it. There's definitely something in that. But I thought one of the really funny things of that night was that um, when we all were trying to think of solutions. There was three teams, wasn't there? And pretty much we all came up with the same solution of VR. And uh, <laughs> one of the problems, because we all had to come up with our own problem, or yeah. what we thought a significant problem was. And I thought one of the really cool bits was one of the teams, their significant problem was the problem of being cooped up in, in a capsule and finding your own space. And so actually trying to get away from people. And their solution was, well, VR, you just stick the VR thing and you, get, you can get away from them. Sure. And our problem was uh, feeling lonely. <laughs> and the solution was putting on your VR. So the solution of VR seemed to be for t- two completely different uh, emotions on the travel. And I thought that was really interesting. And that there's, 
it's almost like well, only one of those can really be right. But I thought it's really. I just thought that was a really interesting thing. I that love that. that. So it's interesting. We gave you guys a problem: how can we improve mental health of astronauts? But what you've actually done is broken it down into sub problems, mm. and each team independently came up with a different one depending mm. on what they were passionate about. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah, no, it was really good. I mean, we, 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 there was a whole heap of problems it, it, that, that we sort of started down and it was like, well, which one is going to be the, the sort of the killer, the killer one? And for, yeah, for us it was loneliness, but for the other ones it was being, you know, the company of others was the most annoying thing for them, which I thought was, <laughs> which I thought was really funny, but it was, it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely a massive problem. With that in mind, with 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 Mars Nation, so Mars Nation, it's it's really to do with the uh, trying to overcome the problems of human spaceflight, isn't it? Really, yeah. On the whole, so it's not concerned with with anything other than that. So I mean, for example, if 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 NASA if the Earth turned round to everyone, so well, we're never going to send humans to Mars. Would Mars Nation then sort of would you would you feel as though it's lost its reason? Is it is it really just about manned? Oh, no, human of course not. It's, it's it's about space exploration in general and how you can develop new solutions to a variety of problems that could be used in space, but it could also be applied on Earth, and that happens all the time. Yeah. Uh, I know NASA ran an accelerator where the three winners came from the biological background and all the three solutions were for Earth. Right. One was biofilms and treatment of bugs on the space station, mm. which could impact water system, but equally it's important for water on Earth. Another one was analysis of blood. It could be handy for astronauts because it gives you a lot of information very quickly. Mm. But again, in remote parts of the world where there is no access to immediate medical support, something that could be quite useful. And oh, I love my favorite one was aging and radiation protection. Yeah. Someone actually developed a way to block the molecules that cause cell damage, which is unbelievable. Yeah, well, that's... We can all live longer <laughs> and look longer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, 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 yeah, that's the Kurzweil dream, isn't it? That's why he's, <laughs> he's popping vitamin pills right now. Going, I don't want to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, that is really... It is fascinating how, yeah, solutions in space kind of filter back down, and you have solutions on Earth. Like my, as an acoustician, one of my favourites is the uh, is the vibration that they stuck the, the sort of in the, the, the to stop rockets from vibrating themselves to pieces on the on the launch pad. That's made its way into virtually every building in the world now. Any any sort of tall high rise building has to have this kind of stuff. I didn't in it. know yeah, that's yeah, where it came from. Yeah, and it you know, so it makes them earthquake proof and, and things like that. So it's, you know, I, I love that, and I, and I think that's one of the sort of biggest justifications of of, of people going into space in the first place because it's always pushing our engineer. It's almost like it's 
it's almost an example of thinking about one subject and it actually turning out to be more useful in another area. A bit like Mars Nation has this idea of, of people who are experts in one field and have nothing to do with space trying to come up with sp solutions for space. I think it's actually, it's almost working the other way around, isn't it? And I really believe that in a lot of cases the best solutions come not predefined. You don't know what the outcome is. Yeah. It's totally unknown. You don't know what you're aiming for. And that's scientific experimentation. Yeah. And that's not fearing failure, yeah. but using this process of iteration and failing quickly, learning and coming up with something that you didn't, you couldn't have predicted. Yeah. Well, I suppose that, that that's the main bugbears about NASA isn't it it's that they have an, an anti-failure you know failure isn't an option at NASA so you, it's kind of yeah you've got that culture there so which does put a stranglehold on innovation and then you've got people like Elon Musk where it's fail fast yeah so he's extremely innovative it's about how much you have to lose yeah <laughs> exactly I mean I guess NASA's much more con yeah much more concerned with human spaceflight and they can't lose people. When do you seriously think that, that humans are going to be stepping on Mars? I would say 2035. 2035, we're going for 35. Now, and do you think that these are going to be NASA astronauts, or, or just astronauts, as in highly trained astronauts and scientists, etc.? Or do you think, say, between 35 and 50, we might actually see the first attempts at colonisation? Or do you think colonisation is a long way away? I think that is probably going to start with robots. And you already have robots on mm. Mars with rovers, but larger scale. I would say I do want to think that it's going to be a collaborative mm. effort with different governmental agencies and private yeah. SpaceX and smaller companies impacting Mars colonization and making the first move all together. I really hope this is how it's going to be. Yeah. But is is it hope? I mean, I, I sit here and I, I don't think there's anything I would like more than to I think that, that, that mankind could go out to, to Mars and colonize it and, and spread out into the into the cosmos but as we sit here in the british interplanetary society arthur c Clarke house <laughs> arthur c Clarke himself says that yeah you know we'll we'll, we'll colonize space but not like this you know meaning we're not going to do it as humans and that's the thing that kind of i think is a really deep question is we sit there tr trying to find solutions to biological problems mm. and, but maybe there isn't one i mean maybe you know we, we are just too biologically attached to the planet where we've evolved oh, but then we're inherently curious we are and we'll do anything to see <laughs> mars ourselves yeah no true and i think well we are seeing mars aren't we i mean curiosity for example is rolling around and we see mars in first hand for, yeah but see this is first hand this is the excite this is the exciting thing isn't it because <laughs> this 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 topic came up at space up as well it's like well, if you stick on if if you stick on virtual reality goggles and you really mm. couldn't tell the difference between being there and not being there, then does it matter that you're not there? 
So say if we've we've colonised Mars with robots, mm. and you say, well, I really want to see what it's like on Mars. You yeah. you know it, we we are that I can see quite easily that in the next ten years we'll 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 actually have pretty good technology to walk around to feel like we're walking around Mars. Or do you think that's a bit like going to a rock concert and watching a band mime? Even though it sounds great, you no, know I think it's worth it. Mar- I believe it's yeah. it's worth it. Good. I mean, I do too, but I'm just playing devil's advocate. I just, I just, because there's a little bit of me that does worry that, like, that the, the 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 human effort to get these big bags of fluid and bacteria out to Mars. Is we a... have all the technology to get there. We have um, the technology to create an environment which is sustainable. It's just about funding. The, the funding thing, I totally agree in terms of, say, for example, back in, in the days of Huygen and Cassini, where the, amount, the, the, the cost of sending a ship to, around the world mm-hmm. was more than we spend now on space exploration. But they were heading to, you know, the, the, there's an instant benefit of finding land that's, that is reasonably easy, easy would have been still r- ridiculously difficult back then to you know to colonize the americas or, or th- things like that it's still profoundly dangerous but people are prepared to do it but to colonize mars is something else altogether isn't it i mean that's just it's it's just so far away it's just ridiculous but to, to i want be, to see it in my lifetime uh, yeah i know i want to see it in my lifetime yeah so i guess mars nation is 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 a massive effort to 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 do that then really isn't it is to it's to give people an opportunity to do it now yeah to have an impact now and not to speculate 20 years how it's going to turn up yeah because you are no matter who you are and no matter what your skill set is you are participating in it so you're democratizing almost Democratizing uh, space industry. Space, the space industry, aren't you? It, or, or yeah, or the the very notion of space exploration itself is being dragged down so that people can really have a massive impact on it if they ch- choose to do it. Absolutely, and you can have a different kind of involvement. You could come up with ideas and have a great time. That's fine, or you could take them further. You could have a great idea and pull together a team. And create a startup. Yeah. It depends on what your motivation is and how much effort are you willing to put into it. Yeah, it's, what, it's like one of those crazy careers that you never really planned on having and then you suddenly end up going, hang a second, <laughs> I'm in the space industry. <laughs> Solving one of the mankind's deepest problems. Yeah. Exactly, because yeah. unless you meet people who are experts in space industry, you don't know how you can apply your skill set in a totally different way. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I think it's really good as well just to engage people with, with space itself. I think because I genuinely think that most people re- find space really, really fascinating. But there's, there's, it, it's quite hard for them to ever have an outlet for them to sort of find this fascination in space. And, and you see it when you see these great websites on space or great blogs and, and obviously the Interplanetary Podcast. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. It, 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 something like this enjoyable and, and like it, it, 
people love space. People do love space. And I think like to have the opportunity to sort of be part of it, I think maybe people feel they can't be part of it because of the old rocket science and it's you know it's difficult but it's not difficult maybe maybe they hold the key maybe an artist or a, you know holds the key to something really really profound it doesn't have to be boring yeah. it's up to you how you can stretch your yeah. imagination and how you can stretch your skill set is there any have you got any thoughts about what the next event will be around Yes, so we're looking into exploring building bases on Mars and architects and brilliant architects to explore the wonderful topic of space exploration. And we hold our events at Newspeak House, which is a political technology community. And it will be very interesting to see how politics and nation building and space law and the social sciences come into play mm. do you know what for that particular event i think that the newspeak house because it's right in the heart of shoreditch and it's like it's it's a super cool place i mean it's like it, it was <laughs> it was just cool going there i thought it was like like wow this is this is really cool it's quite inspirational isn't it that's the you that just kind meet of people that you wouldn't meet otherwise yeah absolutely and and that i guess that's where the magic happens isn't it in fact you look back on lots of things that happen in history there you know happened in coffee shops and things like that didn't they where you've got groups of like-minded people and they Met, met places. In fact, Benjamin Franklin used to set up these those sort of places himself, just because he wanted to become more knowledgeable. He would, he would whichever city he'd go to, he'd he'd invite all the cleverest people he could find, and they would have these little events and they would have these little discussion groups. There is a parallel. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, it it is very. I can't. I wish for the life of me I could remember what he called them. He had a special name for these almost like little communes but it wasn't communes i wish i could remember again my mind i've been trying to think of it all day long <laughs> what the name of it was but yeah it's it, it such a great idea and that's when he first i think it was when he moved to somewhere like philadelphia or somewhere like that he, he, he just he thought well i've got to better myself so he, that's what he did he had these he had these special rules as well that you were you had to bring a topic to talk about and but you weren't allowed to be too emotionally attached to it <laughs> so that that if everyone talked about this topic, you weren't no one you weren't ever allowed to sort of get emotional about the topic. You had to listen to everyone's point of view and take it on board. And that was like the the number one rule that that, that everyone was allowed to have a say. However much you thought they were wrong, you still had to try and take it on board. It's brilliant. I just thought it was such an ace idea, and and uh, at each you know you could bring whatever topic you want. But this, I guess, is is bringing the Mar this this is the, this is the Mars topic, but everyone brings what they can to the table. Yeah, so. and I love the idea of not getting attached yeah. to your ideas because that's the yeah. only way you can develop as many solutions I as think... you can possibly can. And one of them might be good, but most of them would be crap, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, the amount of times where I've convinced that, that I was going to do it the right way and then and then someone else does it and you go, oh, my God, my idea was rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> and now I can clearly see that theirs was much better than mine, and, and I think so. I think it's a really good scientific way of thinking as well. That whole whole idea of letting go of something that you thought was really true. Yeah, and we we use design thinking to design Mars nation, and that's the same concept lies in design thinking as as it is in science thinking. Yeah, you iterate, and you learn, and you get feedback as much as you can 
and then you come up with something new, but you don't get attached to it. You constantly iterate, and the more you iterate, and the more different angles you look at, the higher chances yeah. of success are. Um, yeah, I mean the the, the 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 Mars Nation event itself, I thought was really cleverly done, where we had, you know, we had a, a few lectures and lots of material shown to us first of all, so we felt like we were kind of getting some kind of knowledge. But then that whole that whole thing of then bunging the emphasis back onto us so that we had to start thinking about the problems ourselves. I thought it was brilliant. I, I genuinely think that's a... I've even taken that into the classroom. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> so that, it was good. It was really good. So that, you know, uh, it was such an, it was such a, you know, really, really good event and I I'm definitely can't wait to the next one. Oh, I would love to see you again. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. So uh, every, anyone, anyone interested, how, how can they get in contact and how can they get involved right now? You could go on marsnation.space, marsnation one word, and sign up for our newsletter. You can hear more about our next events. If you'd like to volunteer, if you'd like to speak, there is an email address provided on the website. Looking forward to getting more people involved in space exploration. Excellent. And, and, and of course, if you, if you do that and then come down to new speak at the next event... I'll be there too. Yeah, <laughs> we can extra all... bonus. <laughs> That's the extra bonus. <laughs> J even Jamie might like stop like going around the world. He might even come as well. <laughs> you just never know. <laughs> yeah, come for some free crisps. Yes, no, the free crisps were good. I, I even got, do you know what? I even got a free macaroni, some kind of, yeah, I even got some free pasta so dish. It was worth it. Yeah, it was totally worth it. In fact, I, I had two pasta dishes in the end because Jamie couldn't have it, so I took it home and had it the next day. <laughs> So yeah, you know, it was, it was brilliant. What, what, it was really, really, really cool event. Um, thanks very much. Thanks very much for, for telling us all about Mars Nation. Thank you for inviting me. Isn't she a legend? Oh, brilliant catching up with Alicia. She's she's a great deal of fun and one of those people that's genuinely uh, uh, making space ace. She totally is. It's it's not just me and you. It <laughs> it's not out. just me. It turns out that there are other people. Do you know what was a bit embarrassing, Matt? Is is um, I didn't realise that she was Russian, and mm -hmm. um, and during the of the Mars Nation event, she she spoke some Russian, and I thought, wow. And I asked her afterwards. I said, your your Russian your Russian accent is really amazing. <laughs> she said, yeah, I'm Russian. <laughs> not just yeah, Russian. She's a so, um, she's a Moscovite as well. She's, yeah, she's, that'll uh, be that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so. Well, a little bit yeah. embarrassing, but that's all right. <laughs> yeah, so that was incredible. Well, guys, um, thank you once again for listening. And please continue to like and subscribe and leave a comment on iTunes because, you know, now me and Matt have got a taste of the celebrity life. We just want it to go further from there, don't we, Matt? Indeed, we do. So I reckon in about five years' time, yeah, we could afford maybe a, a, a really nice condenser mic. Oh, if yeah. we keep going like yeah, this, yeah, 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 or a sort of portable, a portable recorder, so that you, oh, I, yes. I, I needn't be recording your Skype feed right now. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, don't give away our secrets. Oh, right, no, we're professional no. podcasters. This is. Oh, do you know what? This is the second inter, intercontinental podcast. Is it? Yeah. Well, last oh, week yeah. was London to Canada or Vancouver, and this time it's London to New York. No, York. And we also did Bob Richards, don't forget. No, but that's an interview. I'm not counting the interviews because we've got oh. we've got several we've got several intercontinental interviews. That's true. That's true. Well, long may it continue. Absolutely. We're basically a global podcast. Yep. 
global to the max. We don't want to brag. (laughs) (laughs) Right, Uh, I'm going to let you go, Jamie. I know you're in a hurry. God bless you, and big love from the Big Apple. Excellent. Uh, why don't you? Why don't you? Subs- why don't you hit subscribe, you jake off? <laughs> Are we allowed to leave that in? No, I, don't, I think that's a bit rude. Why don't? Why don't you hit subscribe, buddy? Yeah, that's, that's my it. that's my New York accent. Why don't you hit subscribe, buddy? <laughs> that, that why don't you hit subscribe, buddy? Ah, uh, the rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Watch out, John Coleshaw. Well, yeah. I'm coming for no, you. John Coleshaw, wait till you hear my Cole Sagan impression. Oh, it's going to be... Oh I bet God. everyone is excited as, as I am. I am really excited <laughs> about it, because I'm going to have to do it, because I'd love to talk like Cole Sagan. It's so hypnotic. It really is. Well, on that note... On that note, um, bye podcast. God bless everyone. Bye-bye. See you soon, space freaks. Bye.